Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to tonight's Dash Radio show. I'm your host, Dawn Wrights of Bruns, and we have my co-host, Peter Mingles. Peter's right here. And we have a special Blog Talk Radio show host, Miss Sharon Abbott, as our guest tonight. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Don. It's great to be with you both. Very exciting. Um, so just a little bit of backstory as to as to how this happened. I got all excited because I saw that I was actually friends on LinkedIn with Sharon and that Sharon had a blog talk radio show. And I don't know how those initial dots connected. I was just excited that they were connected because one of the things when you come on to blog talk radio, they talk about getting in touch with other hosts. And I thought, ah, Sharon looks like a friendly soul. And so... I hopped on over and I checked out what you were doing, and it was so impressive because I'm in the middle of writing a book, and I'm in the middle of looking at all of these things and learning about things from ghost writers to, you know, writing these series and writing my own books, and, and we're putting together a book with Peter and <clears throat> and, and on his KISK principles, and, and uh, we're working with um, some really neat people and, and learning so much about this, and then that is just your genre of all the things that you do you're all about writing books and being an entrepreneur and, and, and doing those two things together. Well, you know, it's really about trying to get people to be empowered about what they're passionate about. And so I found if I can get people to write a, a book about the thing that they care the most about, then the rest of their business seems to develop a life of its own, which is what everybody really wants, is not having to work so darn hard to get where they want to be. You know, it's just like people get really frustrated with marketing, you know, social media and doing all these things where they can't see the results. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so important. That's for sure the truth. And so, and how did you find your way into all of this? I mean, how did you land on this brilliant nugget of wisdom? Because that <laughs> started somewhere. <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, I had a scholarship to college, and I got to choose between the bio lab and the print shop. (laughs) (laughs) Biology was my least favorite subject. I chose the print shop, and that started me out in a 20-year career in the printing and publishing industry. And Hmm. then from there, I kind of fell into teaching entrepreneur skills And um, about three years into teaching entrepreneur skills, I came across this uh, report that the IRS had done, and they said people who speak in their community earn 40% more on the average than people who don't. So I encouraged all of my entrepreneurs to just get out there and start speaking, you know, and, and creating an outline and practice with my group and then you know, open the doors so that they could go out. We called it the animal circuit. So the lions, <laughs> rotors, Kiwanis, <laughs> getting them out there to practice. And then from there, I found that if you had a book, it opened the door to some really cool paid speaking uh, it, it situations. 
So that's when I started advising people to write their own book. And then it just so happened that there was an event up in Sacramento, and I wanted to be a speaker. And the event coordinator said, well, what's the name of your book? And I said, oh, geez, I don't have one. And he said, then you can't speak at my event. And I said, <laughs> okay, so when's the event? And he said, it's in June, and this was January 15th. And I said, no problem, I'll have the book. <laughs> I picked up my book the day of the event, and there was no stopping me from that point on. You know, that was five months. My second book took me three weeks. My third book took me three and a half years. And now ten books published and over a 100 authors that I've helped them get published and create the business of being an author. That is just an amazing, amazing story. I I have to bring you back before we go forward, though, because that is a really interesting choice that you got um, and and quite diverse. you got to tell me how you ended up with a scholarship opportunity in bio and a scholarship (laughs) opportunity in the print shop world because, like, wow, how did that happen? (laughs) Well, I think it was to set me up in the printing industry, honestly, John, because there's no way I would have done bio. <laughs> like, so this was one of your family members who told you you could do one or the other? No, it was actually the, the college that I chose. So I got accepted at UC Berkeley and um, the uh, California State University at Chico, and uh, Berkeley scared the heck out of me. <laughs> because it was during the days of Angela Davis and the riots for Vietnam and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went to Chico, really small town college, and those were the two scholarships they offered me. And it was like there was nothing that could convince me I should go into that biology department. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. So, you know, talk about the things that, that lead you um it's, that's a really, really interesting story. Peter. Peter's here. The, the man who loves the backstory. I, I love isn't the backstory. Isn't that wild? Oh, I love I the story. Because that's where, that's where everything is. You know, you know, that's where everything is. Sometimes in the, you know, Sharon, we deal with the network marketing thing. And a lot of people in network marketing are always intrigued with, you know, how the guy's making all the money now. I say, I don't care how he's making the money now. Tell me how it happened. Bring me back to the sperm right. and the egg of the relationship. Because then I could duplicate it or not. So right. the cool thing is I love your story because I've been looking at your website. So for all those people that might be looking for how do I find out about Sharon, they go to SharonAbbott.com. And Sharon spells her Sharon, S-H-A-R-Y-N-A-B-B-O-T-T. So it's Sharon, a little bit different. Don't usually see it that way. So it's S-H-A-R-Y-N. And then her last name, Abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T.com. And I immediately go to the about section. You know, the about section is the one that tells, like, your story. And I see humble beginnings, uh, grew up with, you know, modest means, sounds like a great loving relationship, and probably somebody also that understands the value of real food as opposed to processed food. So we can talk a lot, especially (laughs) all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, most people would not believe it knowing me, but we actually grew up raising all the food that we ate or trading for what we didn't raise. And on Sundays, I, from the time I was six, I had to walk a mile down a dirt road and polish chicken eggs so that we could have chicken dinner every Sunday. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
And see, people don't understand that kind of appreciation for their meal. Um, it's like <clears throat> I had the gift of traveling to the third world with my husband. And, you know, as as people who grew up, you know, I never had to polish chicken eggs for my meal, you know. And so going into the third world and backpacking Africa and Asia gave me the gift <clears throat> of um, – I mean, I've lived now very poor and very humble and, and hoped for when the electricity would be allotted for the four hours we would get it for the day. And I've understood where, you know, where true poverty is, you know, and, and what, what people and how, and how happy people can live within it. Um, and so it's like it's amazing. Like there are people who have had the gift of, of truly knowing what it is to be grateful for a meal and uh, and it's nice when you meet them. <laughs> you can always tell. <laughs> well, you know, and the, the really interesting thing, and I listen to a lot of people's stories because, you know, I think almost everybody I meet, they say they want to write a book, and I think everybody has at least one book in them. And mm -hmm. becoming an author opens doors that people can't even imagine are not open to them. So mm -hmm. I love the story. I love knowing you know, what led people, and I, you think about the three of us, you know, we're all on this call together, and yet we came from such diverse backgrounds, from completely different places in the world, and yet here we are together. Mm -hmm. And that amazes me, you know, it's like, isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is. And if you ever knew how we ended up on this radio show... <laughs> Like, I mean, if two years ago Peter Mingles and I were told, you know, none of what you guys are doing now are you going to be doing, you're going to be doing this radio show with, <laughs> we would have laughed at them, right, Pete? Well, yeah, we would have been doing a radio show, but not under the present pretenses and no. present environment, that's for sure. Now, if, well, if, it, I, if yeah. I will, when I was going through Sharon's website, if I ever went through a website that just said, me too. Oh, my gosh. Me too. This is like somebody that we've already had a conversation with. Mm -hmm. everything, about your, everything about your site was like, all righty, where to? Like, where's she been and all? You know, where's she been? Come on, Sharon, come on over, if you will. So it's <laughs> kind of like, you know, we, I think we're sent from, from kindred spirits for sure. So oh, what, that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. so great, great stuff. And, you know, how did the California influence? Because are you still in California now? I am. I'm just outside of San Francisco, kind of southeast, and uh, I'm literally thinking about moving to Southern California, and I know I shouldn't complain, but I got so cold this winter. <laughs> yeah, Southern California is nice for that. <laughs> I'm thinking of it. You know, I grew up on the ocean in Mendocino, and I think I would really love to end up back on the ocean. You have no complaints for me because that's where, yeah, that's where I went back to. I grew up in New York on the water and then eventually moved to Chicago, and the only water we had there was either a really big lake or dirty water, like puddles, like the warm water they have over <laughs> in Chicago River. It's like, yeah. get, me, get me back to the ocean. We came from there, you know, theoretically, I guess, and, you know, we're, I want to go back, and I love to, I'd love to hear the ocean for sure. Let's let's talk to you about your entrepreneurial stuff because we're going to have to come up with a radio show commercial. Axel's going to spin some records in a little bit, but talk to about your entrepreneurial spirit because I saw that all over your site. Like you love the entrepreneur, write that book, make that speech, do that blog, make a difference somewhere, so you can start it now and maybe you can you know finish that on the other side of the break. So where'd you get that from? Well, I 
uh, was married to a serial entrepreneur, and I thought at the time that that was just, you know, really difficult to deal with. But then what happened is I... You became was, one. <laughs> well, I was Sorry. fired uh, from a Fortune 500 company because their CFO made a huge tactical error of a million dollars, and I was one of the first people to be let go. And I thought, I am never going to put myself in a position like that again. So that's where that entrepreneurial spirit came from. It's like Mm -hmm. I don't want someone having that kind of control over me. And then it was I don't want anyone else to have to deal with that either. So that's Mm -hmm. how that all got started. (laughs) Well, there you go. So you know what? We made it to the commercial break. Let's go ahead and, and have a word from our sponsor. And we'll be back with The Dash and our guest, Sharon Abbott, right after this. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level, for email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, Hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. And welcome back to the Dash Radio. This is Dawn Wright to Bronson. Peter and I are here talking with the lovely Miss Sharon Abbott. For those of you who'd like to go check her out, that's Sharon with a Y, S H A R Y N, and Abbott with two B's and two T's, A B B O T T. So SharonAbbott.com. And we were just talking about you and how you got bit by the everybody's got to go be an entrepreneur bug, and we're super glad you did. Have you had, have you ever um, dipped your pinky toe or jumped in with both feet into network marketing at all? You know, I have. I've done quite a few. Of course, being um, a leader and, and creator of it was at the time the largest entrepreneur education program, Elite Leads Business Development, in Northern California and seven states, I worked with over 2,500 people over a 20-year time period, and actually 90% are still in business. So I created a program called Seven Techniques to Thrive in Any Economy, and of course I worked with lots and lots of uh, multi-level marketing, network mm-hmm. marketing people. And the challenge that I had was if they treated it like a business, so you have um until you have enough business, 50% of your time is in marketing. And mm-hmm. when people can actually focus on that, then there's no reason for anyone not to make more than enough money. And once they have enough business, then it's learning how to get their business through referrals. And once they have the business through referrals, then they start looking at um, auxiliary programs that help bring them uh, business in consistently. So then if they start speaking and they're writing books and they're getting out there in front of a community, 
then their business is seamless. And that's what I want for everybody. So an entrepreneur who struggles to make ends meet or doesn't have a marketing budget or doesn't even know where their next customer is coming from, those are the people who need to take a step back and go through training until they actually have a handle on where they're getting more than enough business and at least 50% of their business is referred to them every month. Brilliant. And so do you actually teach that, Sharon? I do. That's one of the things that has really set me apart from the majority of people um, who work with entrepreneurs is that I'm very educational-based and I'm content-rich. I know people have been looking at my website. There's seven training programs. There's 35 audio programs. And every one of them is designed to bring higher profitability, uh, more organizational skills, better time management, anything to make it easier because the one thing that I think is so difficult is that people end up getting into network marketing and they have no idea that they're supposed to have a plan for their business and how much time they do, how much of what, and then the focus to be able to see that they're going to get the results or if it's not working, they have to try different things until they do find that pattern to make it happen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So so that's really great. So you're very hands-on with your training, and you're, you're very specific with each of your clients. That's awesome. I am. And I do a lot of teleseminars for groups. Um, I do a lot of webinars. And I really want people to realize that if one person has achieved it, so can they. But it's a matter of how you approach it. And a lot of times you can take two people doing the same thing, they have different results, but it's because they've had different trainings. And so leveling that playing field until everybody is able to have the success level that they deserve. And you know that there's more than enough business out there for everyone. There's more than enough money but it's how we approach our business that gives us the success level that we all accomplish. Brilliant. Absolutely. Peter, come back. I'm here. I put myself okay. on mute for a second. I was. <laughs> you, you, you do know, uh, like Sharon, you, and I know this yeah. about me, but I'm like the sales manager, if you will. <laughs> and I worked, I worked for a company called Electrolux early on, and that's how I got yeah. started. And then, you know, there's not people lining up for vacuum cleaners like a bakery, like donuts and stuff like that, like a Dunkin' Donuts, so you have to go get them. And I love what you said about, like, when you're first brand new, you have to spend the majority of your time going out there and getting customers. Right. What, I've been, what I've been trying to figure, I'm trying to wrap this around, that's why I had to put myself on mute, because I, when I was thinking it through, I'm like, i got to tie in what you said a little bit earlier about walking a mile in a different direction to go polish your eggs. I love that, yeah. because it seems like, when people first get started in a business, they'll walk a mile in the wrong direction to go, and i got to figure out where the polish the eggs fits in, but they will walk in a million-mile direction to go polish some eggs and do a whole bunch of stuff that really won't make any difference, and then by design, just doing that one thing, they'll ultimately fail. But what I heard you say is spend most of your time getting customers. Get on the phone. Right. You know, be, don't do the pleasing activities, but get out there and put yourself out there and go out there and shake some bushes and make some stuff happen as opposed to, you know, write another blog post or as opposed to 
send another email or as opposed to maybe write another article or read another book or whatever, there's that essence of go out there and do something that I love about what you said, even though I said it like the way I say it. But that's what most people fail out that I find. They go and walk a mile in a different direction to go polish some eggs. That maybe then, have been moved, so they're not there anymore. Right, yeah, and there you go. Absolutely. Right. So, so I like that. I like the metaphor that you've tied in together. You've done a really nice job of actually turning that around so people can see. So imagine I was a math major, and so I looked at everything from an analytical viewpoint. And what I realized as an entrepreneur, most people are right brain, they're not looking at analyze their, their business. And one of the things that made me stand out in the crowd was I would tell people, if you go to a chamber function, it's fun, you meet nice people, but how much business are you getting from going to those chamber functions? If you spend an hour and a half a month attending a chamber mixer, do you get a client? Do you track it? Do you even know how to backtrack where your clients are coming from? So when I tracked it, I would have to meet 40 people at a chamber function to get one client. If I sat down with somebody face-to-face and I would say, bring the business card you've collected over the last 90 days, I'll bring mine, you go through my card, you go back to your office and you say, Sharon gave me your name, I'd love to get to know you, and then create relationships because it's like a third-party endorsement. And then I would do the same thing with their cards. What I found out is that one in three of those people became my clients compared to one in 40 at a chamber function. So I figured out where the eggs were, and I focused on that. If I spoke in an event, I would have maybe one in eight people became a client. If um, if I went to an organization where there's a trade organization for everything, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're in healthcare or whether you, you know, animals or whatever, there's an association for everything. And believe it or not, that would be one in five because people who are engaged in an association, there is an involvement in the organization that goes beyond what people who join an organization like a chamber. They're more involved. So I kept track over the years. So I would know I made 40 dials a week. How many of those dials ended up clients within 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? And, and every once in a while, as far as a year out. And then I knew every month, if I made this many dials, this would be my income. And believe it or not, every single business has a number. It doesn't matter what the business is. So one of my clients uh, was a private investigation firm, and they did background checks on excuse me, on employees, and he said, there's no way I have a number. And I said, okay, would you be willing to invest $400 to see if it's true or not? So we had a telemarketer, trained telemarketer, come in, spend 40 hours dialing out of the yellow pages. His number was 1 in 65, but out of 65 dials, he made $5,000. For the first time in his business life, he went from 10000 a month, which was kind of a break-even point, to making 40000 a month in the first 90 days. Beautiful. Beautiful. Excellent. So it, it sounds like you've walked the walk. So as a consultant and as a speaker and as a trainer, 
you're kind of referring back to the things that you know you did and you were involved with as opposed to just theory. Because there's a lot of people right. that actually teach theory out there, and you wonder, like, oh, my gosh, it's like training people on brain surgery. You can't really <laughs> train people on brain surgery unless you've cut a couple open yourself, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, let me just talk you through that one, okay? <laughs> yeah. 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 I see something on your site about, uh, oh, 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 I want to come back to um, something you had said a little bit earlier that probably was a defining moment for you. And I know as leaders, I can't, Sharon, i got to vent a little bit. When I talk to other leaders and they say, well, we want to protect our people from rejection, you know, can't you cherry pick leads and give us great leads? And we want to keep people from the business of the business, if you know what I mean. And I say, why in the world would you want to do that? I mean, those, those points of time are defining moments. It determines who you are sometimes. So you mentioned the defining moment a little bit earlier about being fired or let go as a result of a cascading series of events that happened as a result of a bad decision. But how much of a defining moment was that for you? Well, that, you know, I'm glad you asked that here because that was – that was one of the biggest aha moments. Now, for the first year, you could not have convinced me it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. <laughs> but after that first year, I could not imagine ever having someone control me the way that company did. I had a boss who would call me at 6.30 in the morning and tell me I had to be an hour and a half away within two hours. Wow. They would call me at 11 o'clock at night. At one point, I worked 17 days straight without a day off. They had no clue that there were boundaries between employer and employee. And I just put up with it. I mean, I thought, boy, that's what you did. You know, you give 110%, and if your family misses you, well, that's part of the job. And that's one of the reasons why I became so passionate about teaching people who have lost their jobs. So I went out into the outplacement arena and I did these presentations called Create Your Own Reality and I would teach people how to start looking at what they're passionate about and then start thinking, how do you turn that passion into a business so they didn't ever have to be exposed to that time and time again. When I think about what I went through that first year. Now, it's hard for somebody to imagine if they've never been laid off, but I was with this company eight and a half years, and every other company I ever left, I was replaced by two or three employees. I that much to the job. And so to be let go, <laughs> devastating to me. I mean, it was I, beyond my imagination that anybody would do that. So mm-hmm. I looked at you know, how can anybody else put up with this? Because I know that I wasn't that unique, that it would have just, like, knocked me off my feet. And so other people had to go through that, too. And honestly, that's why I became so passionate. And isn't it cool that all of the things that we go through lead us to where we are today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if, and if it wasn't for that, chances are we wouldn't be on the phone with you right now. <laughs> right? And for exactly. all those people, yeah, and for all those people that want to be an entrepreneur, I have no idea how many days in a row sixteen years are, but I've worked that for all those times. So when when you are an entrepreneur on your own, sometimes they're just a one big slur of like sixteen years of working every day. It feels like at least, but at least you do it for you, which is I think right. most gratifying. 
Right, exactly. All right, I think Axel is going to be spinning some records in just a second or two, so let's let him spin some records. We'll do some commercials, and we'll be back on the other side. Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. And we are back with the Dash and our special guest, Ms. Sharon Abbott. And just a quick shout-out to her. You're going to go on to www.SharonAbbott.com. That's Sharon with a Y and Abbott with two Bs, S-H-A-R-Y-N-A-B-B-O-T-T.com. And we are back. Ms. Sharon, thank you for coming. <laughs> You're welcome. It's just so much fun to talk to you both. And, you know, this is another thing about being an entrepreneur the people you get to meet along the way, what a wealth of resources everyone has. Yeah, it, it's true. And it's so wonderful to be able to go ahead and um, and, and network with everybody. You know, like when I saw that you had a show and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to go check out her show and see what she's doing over there. And, you know, just both of us having shows, you know, back in the day, I mean, and I, I suppose in today's world there's a lot of people who think competitively, but in my entire reality is always cooperative. Like everything that I do in my life, I think cooperatively. And I think that that shifted many moons ago where, you know, like I always looked at everybody and said, well, how can we work together? Even my competitors, I looked at and said, and some of them, you know, that were really competitors. I ended up with, you know, cross-promotional opportunities or joint venture agreements because I just always started to look at things from, a, you know, well, how could we work together kind of thing, you know. And I think that's what the entrepreneurial spirit is really all about, you know. If you want to be, you know, in big competition, you could go work for, you know, one of the Fortune 500, but when when you're an entrepreneur and, and you're lean and, and you can go ahead and, and look at opportunity and look at um, possibility instead of, you know, how you're going to bury your neighbor, look at how you can both benefit from the relationship. It's just way more fun. You know, it's way more fun. Sure. Absolutely right. And <laughs> it should only be about collaborative relationships because there is no competition in the world. No two people do exactly the same thing. It, that's the truth. And, uh, you know, when whenever you can look at what two people can put together, um, I, I can guarantee that with the three of us on this show right now, we could have some pretty amazing possibilities pop out of it. So, it's uh it's it's always it's a terrible thing when people look at things from the limit instead of the possibility and the potential. So it's really cool to have you here for sure. If that's all they got, that's all they got. I mean that's the bottom <laughs> line. If that's all they got, that's all they got. So if they have to be limited in thinking, you know, what the heck. I was looking at Sharon's site and I get so excited like by looking at Sharon's site and all those me too moments. I like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. There was a few things in here about children and children's books, and things like that. So 
it seems like that's a little bit of a hot spot for you as well. It really is here. I, the funny thing is um, my first children's book is called The Adventures of Master Pineapple. And my entire life, from the time I was nine years old, I had these outrageous dreams. And so I think it was 1995, I woke up from this dream, and I wrote the whole dream out, and that's the book, The Adventures of Master Pineapple, and it was eight children who had cancer, went on this adventure, and were cured of cancer, and I gave all of the proceeds to children's cancer treatment centers and doing children's books just so much fun for me. I mean, it's, it's like playtime. <laughs> Absolutely. And oh. it's so nice to be able to play in, with a child's imagination and be able to go into that space yourself. So that's awesome. And did you have somebody in your life who had cancer? Well, my little brother, um, who was adopted, uh, ended up with colon cancer in 1998, and the hospital infected him with HIV. And instead of six months, we got 10 years. He passed away five years ago. And because of him, and this is, again, a great example of when things happen and you can get out of the way long enough to see where it can lead you, I'm actually going to be building a school this year in Belize, taking 6,000 kids off the streets from the United States and moving them to Belize for a high school program, building a school in Bataan, Philippines simultaneously, and already talking to a group in Australia and just started talking with a group for South Africa. So every two years I'll be looking to build another school to give these kids an opportunity to live through education, inspire them to learn every aspect. So electives are mandatory, and all the elective courses will be taught by experts in the field. We will um, videotape all of the courses. The students will be responsible for editing the video and making them available through the Internet to every child in the world. That's amazing. Now, I'm going to – I hate to say it, but as you started to talk, I try to focus on each one, and you just rattled off so many that were so powerful. You started off by saying that you have a project where you're moving children to Belize? Yes. From the U.S.? Yes, from the U.S. We have 200,000 children under 19 without adult supervision living on the streets in the United States. And of those children, only half of them will live beyond their 35th birthday or half will end up incarcerated. And it is not their fault. And somewhere, somehow, we need to stand up for these kids who have no one championing them. So that's what this is. It's the beginning of an awareness program to get the kids off the street, to give them uh, food and education and to start looking at, and, and that's a lot of where the children's books, you know, the heart of that is. You know, there are people who end up in places like they could somewhere along the line stand up and do something to change their lives, but when you're 18 years old, you need to have somebody behind you and encouraging you, and these kids have no one. You know, it's I'm fascinated by your story because when I when I grew up, indirect sales 
many times I would find myself in you know all different types of homes, in the richest homes when I was perhaps in New York, um, and then sometimes the poorest homes. And indirect sales, many times you work with all of them, and depending on where you were, there was always the right side of the tracks or the wrong side of the tracks. And I always, when you know, I, we'd service all of our customers, and we'd go out there in Canvas, and we'd knock on doors, and I would run into some of the um, the places that were really tough. And usually it was minority areas where education and options were always a challenge. And I realized that a lot of these kids don't have a chance. There's no mentors. The, the odds are stacked against them. They're only as free as their options. Most of the times their options towards making money are going to be doing things that are illegal. They were easier but could get themselves in trouble, and it was really a dangerous you know, catch-22 system. And, you know, you can go through all the conspiracies of why maybe that might be that way, but the reality is is when you're looking at a little kid and you're looking at him or her and they got those big Dondi eyes and they're looking mm-hmm. at you and you realize that, you know what, there's nothing. There's nothing. And there's just nothing. That this is a really vicious circle. And as cruel as that might be, somebody's got to do something to kind of end that cycle. And I hired a lot of those people because I gave them a chance. And I knew how much trouble sometimes I would have with those people because they'd resort to their old ways or maybe they needed a new way of thinking. And you had to break them down a lot many times because it was a belief system. They didn't know any different. So i I got to tell you, I'm applauding all of the effort that you are doing because those, whether it's six or 6,000, that is a huge difference you're making in a human being's life. So I gotta tell you, Thank it's you. amazing. Thank you. Well, it's it's what literally keeps me up at night. I mean, I think I sleep six hours a night, and I am always working on something that has to do with the school. I um, submitted a proposal in July, and I was approved um, December 28th. So there were 20 people out of 60,000 who actually got approval for funding, and so I've been waiting. Not so patiently, <laughs> but it's like every two weeks I get a, a message, it'll be a couple more weeks, it'll be a week, and this has been going on now for two months. And um, so any moment I could get this magical phone call that says, okay, we're rolling it out, and I'm off to Switzerland, and then I'm off to Belize to buy the property, and then off to Bataan, Philippines to get that started, and then Hopefully in January we'll take a thousand kids at first to kind of work out the kinks, and you know we'll just keep increasing it until we have three thousand kids on each campus. So there's a boys' campus and a girls' campus, and then after the second year, uh, I will be really hoping that we get the Australian campus launched, and then every two years we'll do an additional campus until. You know, somewhere down the line, enough people are going to realize that all we have to do is step up and do just a little bit of effort. You know, in my case, it's been talking to people and saying, you know, somebody has to do something before finally a group of people said, we heard you, we're going to help you do it. And imagine if we had more people doing something like that, that we could basically change these lives forever and ever. And then what happens to them? You know, I developed a tracking system, again, going back to my math major era, um, where (laughs) we're going to know what happens to these kids 20 years from now. You know, what difference do they make? 
Unbelievable. So, Sharon, how, if somebody wants to go ahead and, and get involved with what you're doing, tell us how to do so. Well, uh, through the website, it's Ultimate Business UNIV is in Victor dot com. So Ultimate Business University, but it's UNIV dot com. Okay, Ultimate Business University. Right, and it's Ultimate Business UNIV dot com. Dot com. Going there right now. We will make sure that we have it up on the posts and uh that that we're gonna be putting onto the dash about you and we'll make sure that people can can get involved with you every step of the way because um that just sounds like an amazing vision that uh that when and you know, one of the things that, that, that people who are listening need to be sure of, you know, um we all have those moments that we wanna do something and we wanna give back and not everybody is going to have an epiphany, wake up in the middle of the night and say, okay, I'm going to go and create it. A lot of times, you know, we, we're just led to go ahead and give. Um, so if if you're not somebody who has it in you to go ahead and create something, look for the thing that really touches your heart. And when you hear about it, put some money behind it because the one thing that we can do, you know, so many people say it's not about the money. I think in entrepreneurism I probably hear it over and over and over and about 10 years ago, and interesting, I went and saw Medium, and I think it was 2004. And my project at the time, FemNet, it was a women's empowerment network, it wasn't about the money for me. And in the middle of this, this reading, and, you know, my grandmother was in the room, it was really, really wild, this whole thing, um, he stopped me and he said, I'm getting a very clear message that you need to understand something. It is about the money. How are you going to help people? How are you going to help anybody if you don't have a lot of money? So every project is about the money. And if it's a project where people are in need, it's way more about the money than a profit, a for-profit project. Non-profit projects require more money because they're giving all the time and they're giving everything of themselves. So anybody who says it's not about the money, they might mean they're not in it for the money they're going to receive, but it is about the money because they need the money to give it away to somebody else. So um, for those of you who are out there and you have the ability and and you get a little lead in your heart, get on over to Ultimate Business University without the ursity and uh, <laughs> com and uh, and show some love. There's you can you can click the donate button for PayPal and and have have changed somebody's life today. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, years ago, I was in an event, and this man said, how do you help poor people? And the room was dead silent. And all of a sudden, he said, never become one of them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. And, and that's when it really uh, came to me, because up until that point, I was much like you. It's not about the money. I don't need money. You know, I do these things, and I would basically, you know, work half of my time and for out without pay. And I spent ten years organizing uh, ten golf tournaments a year for nonprofits. Never charged anybody a dime. Raised between thirty-five and one hundred and fifty thousand per nonprofit. And I did it because it it bothered me that they always had their hand out. And I thought, well, what if you do more things where, as a nonprofit, you're giving people a reason to give you money, not just mm-hmm. give you money, but create a purpose. 
Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I think Axel's telling us that we have to spin some records. It is that time. Are you in a run about your taxes? No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best, and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-A-S-H taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. And we are back with Sharon Abbott, and um, we're talking about helping people in need and the ultimate business university without the ursity. That's ultimatebusinessuniv.com. Get on over there and check it out. Did did we get you back, Sharon? <laughs> yeah, I'm <here>. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if we lost you right before the break. I'm like, no. did we lose her? I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> no. So, so... What else do we need to cover? This is our last segment, and this has been so enjoyable, and I want to make sure that that we're covering everything that is important to you on this because this is really cool. What is your show about? Let's talk about that for a minute. What is your blog talk radio show focused on? It's all about helping authors become more successful. So I interview authors who are bestsellers, publishers who have unique tips on how to get books published. So my stance is that the author should be making 75% of the sale price of the book that publishers print only, so why should they get 50%? And then if a book ends up in a bookstore, which I never recommend, the bookstore gets 50%, which leaves the author top, 35 cents to a dollar. So I've always been an advocate that if you're going to take the time and effort and it's your intellectual property, you should be making the lion's share of the profit on the book but even at that, the book is only 5 to 8% of the income that you generate. And it's what you do with that book that opens the door. You know, we're, we're kind of working on a joint venture here because we're taking our combined intellectual knowledge and putting it together in an interview to help your audience, maybe inspire them to do additional training to improve their skills or whatever it might take to help them become more profitable, more productive, and have more time to focus on the things that are important to them. And I believe that when authors look at being an author as a business, then they're able to control their income. So there's no reason an author can't be making 100000 200000 their second year and not have to work themselves to the bone. Agree. Sorry, I heard the click, and I thought Peter was about to say no, something. No, that's me. I keep shutting. I keep muting myself out because I get too excited. I can't stand still when I hear Sharon talk. <laughs> <laughs> what a compliment! Thank you. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my gosh. So, so in essence, you know, here's some of the things that that I've heard you say. We've had defining moments in your life, the the ones where you grew up with humble beginnings. Uh, 
then the ones in reference to you know the the employment stuff and i'll I'll playfully just tag on to that in a second um i think the faster you get fired for something you had nothing to do with the better <laughs> right if you really start to think about it the yes, faster absolutely. you get fired for something you had nothing wrong that you did nothing wrong for I think the better for you. My lesson came when I think I was 16. I worked at a place called Arthur Treacher's. A friend of mine got me the job. And that same friend must have been going in after hours and borrowing some money and some resources. So everyone that was associated with him was fired. And in a tragic situation, me, I think I was 15 or 16, maybe even younger, um, I actually had to take a lie detector test because he had stolen yeah. some money. And then they, they were, you know, at 2 in the morning they were cooking oysters and stuff like that that 16-year-old kids usually do that they're not supposed to with somebody else's food. And I'll never forget that. Here I am, like they're accusing me of knowing something. I was sleeping at 2 o'clock in the morning probably, and and I got fired for that. And I'll never forget I had to drive down and, on my bicycle, you know, and it was raining and it was two miles one way and all that stuff, and I got fired. And I'm like, why in the world am I being fired? I had nothing to do with this. Oh, we're firing everybody on that shift. And that just kind of told me, like, early on, the faster you get fired for something you had nothing to do with is probably going to be the spark of your entrepreneurial career. Because I said to myself, you know, I'll never let that happen to me again. There's something wrong with this. It's a great inspiration, isn't it? Get fired fast for something you never did. But it's, I, I, I think it's kind of important. All right, and then we heard the stuff, the, the, the um, situation with your brother. And it is, I, I can only feel for what it's like to lose a sibling. We lost my sister when she was, when I was 16. Um, and that's like, you know, the hardest thing I think anybody can ever go through. It really is. I mean, it just that just tears me up even just thinking about it. And I'm, you know, so many years older now, and that I think is a defining moment. And then you working with children, um, just amazing stuff. And I am so happy to hear the interesting stories and the idea that, as an author, you're able to translate that wonderful vehicle towards being able to generate the abundance of income that's out there for lots of people and then be able to do really cool stuff with it. I really applaud everything that you're doing. So I, I just got to shout out to you, just say this is amazing. And, you know, Dawn and I started this little radio show way back when, and we really never knew what would happen, but we knew that we'd be able to touch the lives and, and maybe of hundreds of thousands or millions of people, and we certainly appreciate your input being able to do that as well. Well, you know, it, it's fascinating to me that, we are connected with people from all over the world. And social media has been, I think, one of the greatest advantages uh, made available to us. And I think it really started about five years ago that people began to embrace it. And, um, I mean, I know exactly my sixth book was just being released and I put on Facebook, you know, if anybody could help me get interviews, you know, I'd really appreciate it. And I ended up getting nine interviews in the United States and three interviews uh, one in Toronto, one in England, and one in Spain because of friends on Facebook that I barely knew. But what I did with my connections on Facebook, I either text them or called them with a live conversation. So it wasn't enough to just have a friend. 
like when um, I have a, somebody that connects with me on LinkedIn, I usually write a note. It's not just, okay, connect. I want to know more about them. I want to know how we can work together. And it, when people approach connections that way, I think that they end up getting a lot more out of the relationship. And, you know, coming from a small town, it's like W.C. Fields. I've never met a stranger. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. love that. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely. I'm the same way. I never meet a stranger, and I, I absolutely love to, to find out what the next thing is going to be. And, you know, um, I, I tend to be a little, um, what, what is it? I think, I think it's just I'm, I'm so open to what the next thing could be, and, and uh, my ADD can, can take me away a little bit. Um, my husband looks at me sometimes. He's like, you're not thinking of going and doing something else now, are you? You know, because <laughs> I get excited about things. But I'm always, I, I'm never looking at doing something else. I'm always looking at doing that too. And I think that it's um, it's amazing when you stay open to the that too, this, the and out there, that um, it, it's amazing how many things fit so beautifully together, you know. Um, and, and what you're doing with the kids and, and the stuff that you're doing with the radio and with the authorships, it's amazing how many places that you and I fit together. And now I'm listening to Peter and how many places you fit with him. And, you know, it's just I, I think that when you stay open to the possibilities in life and all of the dots connect eventually. So I think that's our message for this show, <laughs> connecting dots here at the desk. Dots, and you think about connecting the dots, it's, connecting the people in your community and looking around at the resources that you have and, you know, how rich those resources are because you Mm -hmm. don't know who somebody else knows. You know, and it's like uh, one of the people on LinkedIn asked me to interview her and she's a a publisher and I looked, (laughs) of course I said I would (laughs) once I realized she agreed with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we want the author to make the most money. Yes, you have to do all the marketing as the author. So as long as she understood those parameters, and towards the end of the interview, I said, you know the difference between a successful author and one who really struggles? And she said, what? I said, authors who write about what they're passionate about. And I'm passionate about this school that I'm doing for kids from the United States. I'm taking them to Belize. And she said, what did you say? And I repeated it, and she said, I was born in Belize. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like, oh, my gosh. So she called me after the show, and she said, I'm going to introduce you to a few people. So two weeks later, I got a call from her. She lives in New Jersey, and she said, I want to introduce you to my father. He was second in command of the military in Belize. And wow. really, every single week something like that happens. It's that monumental because I'm so passionate about doing this school for kids and making one little corner of the world a little more right, you know, and, and not focusing on the things that are wrong, but focusing on the things that I can impact in a positive way. And I, I think that when people are entrepreneurs, we have more of a consciousness, more of an ability to do that, to make changes, to be able to help people who, like, if it's... Um, a multi-level marketing company and somebody has lost their job and they're struggling, they don't realize that they can just go out and talk to people and make more money in six months than they ever did on a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> think about 
you know, people who have to get up and go to that job eight to five and, you know, maybe an hour to get to each, to get the work and an hour to get home and they're giving up 10 hours a week of their life, 40 hours a month. You know, I mean, that is such a strain on a family and it's especially if the job isn't paying them enough to live the style that they deserve to have, that they have more than enough money to do the things with their family that are important you know, doing something that's philanthropic, doing something that will create more jobs in a business community, more cash flows so that they're going out to restaurants, supporting local businesses. We all have that ability, but there's so few people who understand that it's within their reach. It's the truth, you know, and and so many people are so busy lying to the people they bring on board with a network marketing opportunity um, to tell them that there's no selling involved and there's no this is and that's because so many people are so afraid of talking to other people about a product or a service because they have either had a bad experience with somebody who is in sales or they they don't know what it is to be sure of themselves so they felt that somebody who was sure of themselves was somehow infringing you know there there's all these programs that go off subconscious programs around sales um and around sales people and people are terrified of ever becoming that but what it really boils down to is if you truly love a product, like I don't know a single human being who has, hasn't like tried a product that absolutely turned them on that they didn't tell somebody about. So right. it's it's not about the it's not about the, the the product and it's not about the endorsement as much as it is as it is around um, you know the the juice that somebody has around earning on a product or receiving you know asking for money asking for a check and there's all these things that people get covered up by. Um, in the sales process, but there's nothing like network marketing out there. You know, I got to tell you, 25 years that's been my industry, and I've just never seen anything that could that could turn someone's life around in in just two two seconds flat. You know, as the industry, it's a brilliant industry. You know, if you can get past some of the negatives that that tend to touch it, it's a really brilliant place. But again, if you look at those negatives as the way of pointing out what you can do different than what mm-hmm. other people would make it negative, then they really show as a beacon to people who have not figured it out. And it's like that's what people need to focus on, not what isn't, but what can be. What are the possibilities? Perfect. Perfect way to close. Thank you so much, Sharon. You have been a joy. Looked at your LinkedIn. I wrote you messages as we were talking here. So (laughs) I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, everybody, for coming, and we'll see you here tomorrow night. Dawn and Peter talking about stuff at 7 o'clock Eastern. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the show. At the Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thedashradio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon.